The title of the lesson today is The Sun Offers Living Water. And the background passage for this lesson is John chapter 4. Now Jesus was returning home to Galilee after some time spent in Judea. Instead of going around the region of Samaria, he went through it. While in Samaria, he stopped at a well and interacted with a Samaritan woman who was known for her immoral lifestyle. Seeking satisfaction from the pleasures of the world, Jesus met her and promised that he could give her living water, the Holy Spirit, who would completely satisfy her deepest longings. Inside of everyone, there is a longing for something more, for something greater than ourselves. We long to be satisfied. The problem comes when we look for satisfaction in things of the flesh or even things of this world. The problem really is that those things really can never satisfy us. Jesus explained that. He is the only one who can quench and satisfy our desires. Jesus made a promise to a Samaritan woman that all who believe in him will receive living water. The Holy Spirit who completely satisfies the longings of the heart and enables the true worship of God. The Son gives living water. We find this in John chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. So in this conversation with the Samaritan woman, and think about it, the Samaritan woman would have been looked down upon by the Jews, so the fact that he was even talking to her was something. But Jesus used it to illustrate, that, that with the illustration of drinking and needing water to explain a spiritual need. Most people who live in the United States today never have to worry about water. We simply turn on a faucet and we have fresh water to drink. For those who lived in the ancient Near East, however, getting clean drinking water was actually a chore. They lived in a climate, an arid climate and they knew the dangers of not having enough water. Jesus went to Jacob's well, worn out from his journey, and sat down at noon. Noon was not a popular time for people to go to the well to draw water. 
Yet a Samaritan woman approached to do just that. Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for a drink, and she was shocked that he would even talk to her. Jesus provided some background to the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The city of Samaria was once the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, which led to Jews and Samaritans having a long and troubled history. Don Carson describes their troubled past, saying, After the Assyrians captured Samaria in 722, to 721 BC, they deported all the Israelites and settled the land with foreigners who intermarried with the surviving Israelites and adhered to some form of their ancient religion. After the exile of of Judah to Babylon, Jews returning to their homeland viewed the Samaritans not only as the children of political rebels, but as a racial half-breed whose religion was tainted by various unacceptable elements. About 400 B.C., the Samaritans erected a rival temple on Mount Gerizim. Toward the end of the 2nd century B.C., this was destroyed by John Hyrcanus, the Hasmonean ruler in Judea. Consider all those barriers that Jesus crossed when talking with this Samaritan woman. He crossed ethnic, racial, and religious barriers in asking her for a drink. The woman was surprised that a Jewish man would talk to her, but Jesus told her that if she um, knew who he was, then she would have asked him for a drink. She responded, You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? And of course, Jesus is greater. How did Jesus respond to the woman's question? Well, Jesus let her know that the water he offered truly satisfied, because whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. Jesus was telling her that he could give her a gift that would quench her thirst and satisfy the longings of her soul. The patriarch Jacob from the book of Genesis dug this well, and had been supplying the needs of the people who lived there in Samaria for about 2,000 years at that time. In fact, if you go to Israel today, you can go to the site and the well still has water. Jacob provided this well that would give the people enough water for their daily needs. Jesus' gift, however, is greater because one sip from the water that Jesus offers is enough to never thirst again. Consider the characteristics of this gift Jesus brings. It's living water. If you drink of it, you will not thirst. It becomes a well of water springing up, and it gives eternal life. This living water is really a metaphor for the living Holy Spirit, springing up and giving life to all who receive him. We again see this connection of the water to, of water to the Holy Spirit in John chapter 7 verses 38 and 39 when Jesus said the one who believes in me as the scripture has said will have streams of living water flow from deep within him He said this about the spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus came to bring is a greater gift 
than the water Jacob provided because it leads to eternal life and satisfaction. Jesus revealed to the Samaritan woman that she was looking for fulfillment of her desires in all the wrong places. Her thirst for satisfaction would not be quenched by chasing after the desires of her flesh, but only in the living water that Jesus has, has to offer. This living water brings eternal life and satisfaction in God alone. Next, Jesus taught her what the true worship of God entails. The Son enables true worship. We find this in John chapter 4, verses 19 to 24. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancients our, excuse me, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews said that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> now in the previous section, Jesus began speaking to an immoral Samaritan woman. He told her of how he could give her water that would quench her thirst forever. She actually misunderstood and thought he was only speaking of physical water. In verse 15, she asked Jesus to give her this water as she no longer wanted to have to go to the well to draw water. But in verses 16, and 18, 16 to 18, Jesus told her to go get her husband which actually exposed her sinful lifestyle, since she had no husband, but various sinful relationships. She had been drinking from the polluted fountains of sin rather than from the living water. The woman then stated, I see that you're a prophet, and said to Jesus, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. What was her reason for saying this? Remember, Jews and Samaritans were at odds, ethnically, racially, racially, and particularly theologically. The Samaritans once had their temple on Mount Gerizim, and the Jews had their temple in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. Samaritans only believed the validity of the books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. While the Jews affirmed all of what we know as the Old Testament, the Samaritan woman was saying that she understood Jesus was a prophet, but she wanted to emphasize that they were different because they worshipped at different places. Some commentators think she was trying to deflect the conversation to something other than herself and her own sin. Others think that she truly saw Jesus as a prophet who knew her sin, and she wanted to respond in confession and worship, but didn't know where she could do so. Jesus responded to this woman's statement, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
Geographical location is not of primary importance to Jesus. He then told her that the Samaritans worship what they do not know. Their selective focus on the books of Moses limited their understanding of God and his mission. So Jesus said, Salvation is from the Jews, pointing to the full Jewish scripture as the revelation of God, including the historical books and the books of the prophets that promise a coming Savior to bring salvation to the world. By saying this, he was directly pointing toward himself. In this text, Jesus repeated the idea of an hour is coming. The hour is an important theme in John's Gospel and refers to Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, and exaltation. Now, verse 21 says, an hour is coming, and then verse 23 says, an hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus' emphasis to the woman then is not where to worship, but how to worship, because of the when that is coming and is now here. An hour was coming when Jesus would die for our sins and resurrect, resurrect and thus conquer sin and death, as was prophesied. This hour was coming, and when completed, Worshippers would worship in the truth of the gospel and with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This worship can only take place in and through Jesus Christ. Previously, John said that Jesus dwelt among us. The word dwelt could be translated tabernacled. Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle and temple because of Christ's saving work. We worship God through a not through a building or a physical location, but through faith in God. If we read on, we see that the woman responded, I know that the Messiah is coming. And Jesus responded, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Most of the time, Jesus was reluctant to call himself the Messiah, most likely because of the political and military connotations the term held to the Jews. But to the Samaritan woman, he could reveal himself as such. This woman had gone to the well that day to draw water with her soul's thirst not being quenched by the passions of her flesh. She would leave, however, knowing the Messiah and the gift of living water that he came to bring. Seeing that the gift of the Son of Man brings is living water. We will see he is the one who enables us to worship in spirit and in truth. The Son provides an abundant harvest. We find this in John chapter 4, verses 34 to 38. My food is, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields, because they're ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. 
Others have labored, and you have benefited from their labor. The Samaritan woman had gone and told others about the man she met at the well. Now we see Jesus interacting with his disciples in order to teach them about the abundant harvest of evangelism. After the Samaritan woman left the well to go and tell others about Jesus, the disciples returned with food for Jesus. They told him to eat, but he told them of food that you do not know about. This puzzled them. So Jesus wanted to explain, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Just as Jesus used the physical illustration of water to explain the spiritual reality of everlasting satisfaction in him, here he used the physical illustration of food to explain the spiritual reality of full satisfaction in doing God's will. Jesus likely was alluding to the Old Testament passage of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 3 through 6, but specifically verse 3. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He was speaking of the importance of keeping God's commands and how it satisfies. Jesus told his disciples that there was greater nourishment in doing the Father's will than in any other food they had to offer him. And what was the Father's will? To save people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, all humankind, and bring them into the kingdom of God. Jesus, in revealing his identity to the Samaritan woman and telling her of the good news of living water, did just that. And she, in turn, is going to share that good news, the gospel, with others. For Jesus, there was a greater satisfaction in doing that than any meal that this world had to offer. Jesus then said, Don't you say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Jesus was saying that the harvest that comes from doing the will of God was already upon them. The fields were ready for harvest. The disciples were still young and learning what Jesus wanted of them. They were starting to understand, but possibly were hesitant in their mission, as many Christians today are. But Jesus wanted to throw them into the deep end, so to speak, telling them the harvest was now, not later. Your work begins now, not later when you're more skilled or more mature or no more. Share with others like this Samaritan woman about who I am. Good news must be shared. Jesus continued. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. In teaching his disciples about the fields being ready for harvest, Jesus showed us our need to be urgent in the task of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now is the time for every disciple to be sharing the gospel, but both sowing and reaping are happening at the same time, and both are necessary. The one who reaps is not more important than the one who sows. Sometimes we are given the task of sowing, other times we get to experience the joy of reaping the harvest. Sometimes we'll experience the hard, groundbreaking work of taking the gospel to somewhere 
it has not been preached, only for it to fall upon deaf ears. But other times we may experience the joy of seeing some come to saving faith. So as Jesus went was sent to do the will of the Father, so too must his disciples do the Father's will by reaping the harvest that others have labored. The prophets of old, as well as John the Baptist and those before him, the disciples, would benefit from their labor. When Jesus revealed his identity to the Samaritan woman as the Messiah, and she went forth to tell others in town, this was the beginning of the movement of the gospel going forth to the nations. Is Jesus greater than Jacob? Well, yes. Jesus is greater than Jacob because he is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, and that through his offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Jesus explained the living water that he brings in order to give eternal life, and he revealed his identity as the Messiah, who leads to worshiping in spirit and in truth. Now we as his disciples, are tasked to sow and reap the fields of unbelievers before us. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to bring us this living water of eternal life. And we ask, Lord, that you would just send the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us and show us whether we're to sow or to reap in the coming days. Lord, I pray for those who are sick and hurting today, that you would just surround them with your loving arms of grace and mercy, and raise them up, restore them, Heavenly Father. And Lord, I ask that anyone that's having any problems today, that you would just comfort them and guide and direct them and help them to solve their problems, solve their problems for them. For you go before us and you fight our enemies and you actually are solving our problems before we're even aware of them. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.